0: We're gonna press pause on our First Peter series today and we're gonna turn instead to Mark chapter 16, verses 1-8 through 8, to talk about the resurrection. And lest we be duped into thinking that Easter is about bunnies and candy and simply fun with our families, though all of those things are wonderful, we are gonna remind ourselves today about the truthfulness and the hope of the resurrection. Let's pray for the Spirit's help. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and illuminate these texts to us. We pray that we'd be informed in our knowledge of Scripture, transformed by the renewing of our minds, conformed to the image of Christ, and recommissioned on the Great Commission. Lord, help me, frail as I am, to serve us well in this time. In Jesus' good name, amen. Now, just to underscore how important this passage is, one writer said it like this, that the resurrection is the linchpin on which all of Christianity stands or falls. Tim Keller said, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept everything that He said. And if He didn't rise from the dead, well, you don't have to accept anything that He said. And Paul, the apostle in 1 Corinthians 15, talked about the importance of the resurrection in as most clear and practical terms as possible. He said, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So when we talk about Easter, when we talk about the resurrection, we are talking about the very heart and soul of Christianity. And we are also talking about the immense and immeasurable hope that the resurrection of Jesus brings. And that's the lens through which I want to view this passage today. There'll be three points for us. The first one is that the resurrection brings hope to the hopeless. Let's take a look at it together. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Now on the surface, that just seems like a simple statement of what happened, but there is two or there are two aspects of hopelessness in this passage that the resurrection is going to speak to. The first is that the practice itself, Now, what these Jewish ladies were doing here, it was wonderful, it was kind. They were taking spices to put on the back of Jesus' body to keep down the smell and to honor the body. But the simple fact that they are doing this is really quite tragic, isn't it? Because Jesus has told them at least three times that He would rise again, and here they go this Easter morning in full expectation that they are going to find Jesus' body. Surely that was the hopelessness of the moment speaking to them. But the resurrection is gonna speak to that. It's gonna help with that. And also it's gonna help with this. The second aspect of hopelessness in this part of the passage is certainly within the backstory of these women themselves. If you know anything about Mary Magdalene, she was a woman that had seven demons at one point. Now Jesus, of course, cast them out, radically changed her life, but can you imagine what her existence would have been like before that happened? Surely she would have been living in abject poverty. No one's gonna hire someone that has seven demons. There would have been the physical trauma, the, the mental anguish, the emotional turmoil. Her life would have been so poor before Jesus intervened. And I bet that morning, and now that she had seen Jesus so brutally murdered, she was feeling the hopelessness of, what is it going to be like now that my savior, my healer, my teacher, my friend is gone? Hopelessness would have gripped her. Beyond that, Mary, the mother of James, that's another name just for Jesus' mom. James, of course, was his half-brother. and. She would have witnessed most of what Jesus had gone through in that last week of his life. Those brutal beatings, the the horror of the crucifixion itself, all that he had endured, and all through the lens of a mother's love. Some of you know what it's like to lose a child. Others know uh, the trauma that that causes because of a, a cousin or a sister or so on. Friends, can you imagine if you had endured or witnessed that in the way that mary would have surely it would have been a hopeless situation for her that sunday morning and then finally salome this was the mother of james and john the sons of zebedee they were a fixture in jesus's inner circle this woman would have been around she would have been in the mix this is the same woman who asked that her two sons would have great places in the kingdom And surely there would have been thoughts inside her heart and mind of, if He's really not come back to life, have we wasted our lives? Did we waste our business by allowing our sons to to go and to follow this crazy Messiah that wasn't even real? Surely many questions and thoughts and doubts would have pressed her into a place of hopelessness that morning. But yet the resurrection brings hope to the hopeless. And you know, the way that Mark even frames this aspect of the story, the fact that he tells us about these women, the fact that he lists their names repeatedly, he does so three times within this gospel, all of that is significant. It's significant in the fact that women were the first ones to hear about the good news of the resurrection in and of itself. See at this time in history, women were considered basically uh, pieces of property, they were considered so untrustworthy that they couldn't even give testimony in a court of law it was much like the shepherds that god revealed the good news of jesus's birth to well here he picks another very unlikely group of people to give the good news of the resurrection to and friends again that is god showing us hope for the hopeless and some of you who are watching this today you may feel picked last, picked over, not picked at all, you need to know that God has a heart for those on the outside of society, for for those who do feel outcast and picked over. And the fact that he revealed the good news to these women shows us that. And again, this repetition that is used here, Mark is telling us something. Richard Bachman, who understands something of this ancient historiography, He talks about it like this, he says that this indicates this is not a legend. Because what Mark would have been doing was he was including the names of these women, first because it took place, but second because in that day, the testimony of eyewitnesses carried more weight than historical record. And so by putting this out here the way that he does, he's saying to the writers, or the readers at the time, hey listen, You want to know more about this? You go find Mary. You go find Salome. You go find Mary Magdalene. You ask them personally, and they will attest to you everything that is being said. So in the midst of all this hopelessness, the God of the Bible brings true hope for all these situations. Whether your story is like Mary Magdalene, and it's one of great concern and question about where your life could go, whether it's like Mary, mother of Jesus, and it's great trauma and grief and loss, or it's Salome and questions about, have you wasted your very life? The truth of the gospel rings true to us through the story of these women this morning, and it brings hope for the hopeless. Where do you need that hope this morning? Friends, let's be reminded, let's be encouraged, let's be strengthened by the glory of God on display. Now, verse two. Second point. The resurrection doesn't just bring hope to the hopeless, it brings hope to the questioning and the fearful. And very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb now the way the tomb would have been secured back then would have been like this there would have been a a hole hewn out of some rock and then a very large circular stone would have been put in a track outside of that tomb and it would have been rolled into place and kind of lock itself there and for it to be moved was almost impossible. It would have taken multiple very strong men or something miraculous like we have here in this passage. And that's what they begin to see in verse 4. Look at this. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a, a white robe, and they were alarmed. Now the weight of that word alarmed is significant. This term is only used here in the New Testament. It's a compound verb used to express strong fear and agitation. Another translation could be they were dumbfounded. And in the midst of that, I love what happens in verse six. And he said, so the angel speaking on behalf of God here, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid Him. Oh, friends, God cares about our fears. He didn't have to speak to this, but He did because He does care. And some who are watching this today, this entire past year plus now, it has just been a fear factory in which you have lived. I understand. The the illness of the coronavirus itself can be very serious. My own story bears that out. But then beyond that, there have been so many different ways that people have become more fearful, more anxious, more troubled. And God knows about all of it. God cares about all of it. And as though He ministers this word of grace to these fearful women this morning, He wants to do the same thing for you. Because the resurrection brings hope the fearful and i want to encourage you this morning that whatever you face there is a peace that transcends all understanding that is available to you in the lord jesus christ a peace that is out of this world that only comes from god and my encouragement to you this morning is that you would seek it that you would turn to him that you would ask for his help and that you would find him faithful to respond just like these women did this morning he says to them and to us do not be alarmed i'm in charge i'm in control i have a plan i am working out my will for my glory and for your good you can trust me and also love <clears throat> what the angel says here when he says see the place where they laid him Now he was just pointing out the fact that, that they came to seek a body and the body was gone But beyond that doesn't that say something to us? Friends it says to us that the resurrection can stand up to us asking some questions God is not afraid of our questions. He invites our investigation through this angel and some who are watching this morning that may be where you are you may have questions about the veracity of the bible you may have questions about the truthfulness of the resurrection and i want you to know we we would we would encourage that kind of dialogue in this church if you have honest questions about anything related to christian spirituality we want to take that journey with you We wanna help you. We wanna point you to sound resources that can help you on your journey. Just reach out to us, let us know. Shoot us an email, refugefranklin at gmail.com. We'll help you any way that we can. But specifically in dealing with the resurrection, friends, I've done extensive research on this topic. I've looked down many, many paths. And if you do not believe the biblical account Intellectual integrity would tell you, then you have to come up with a plausible alternative. He's clearly not there. So where did he go? One theory from history is, is that the disciples came and stole his body. Well, that doesn't hold water because there's no way that these fearful people that were basically just fishermen, most of them, could have overpowered these Roman soldiers with deadly weapons and brute strength and rolled away this huge stone. And then on top of that, some people would offer, well, you know, maybe Jesus, he didn't actually die. He was just really injured and sick. But after a couple of days, he pulled it together and got up and pushed the stone away. Well, I don't think that holds water either. And any of the other possible alternatives that have been offered throughout history. They don't match up with what reality and other historical sources would be offered at the time. So to me, the most intellectually honest thing that we can do for this passage is to let it speak for itself. To look at this and say, this really is true. He's not here because he has risen. And friends, as we, be remind, as we remind ourselves of that truth this morning, those who are already persuaded, you need to know your faith is not anchored in thin air. It's anchored in actual factual history. And there have been thousands of years of, of, of truth to bear this out. And when we see the greatness and the glory of God on display, on display, it needs to bring a great smile to our face, and a great warmth to our hearts. That God, through His infinite power, shows us that the resurrection brings hope to the hopeless, it brings hope to the questioning, it brings hope to the fearful, it will bring hope to anyone that will put their faith and trust in this Jesus. So my encouragement to you this morning is be encouraged. Be encouraged by what we have before us in this passage. And there's one more thing that I want to point out for us here in verses 7 and 8. And Mark says this, he says, "...but go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you." And they went out, and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid." So third point, The resurrection brings hope to the fallen and for the future. You know, I love how the language is is demarcated the way that it is. It says here, tell his disciples and Peter. And friends, if you're familiar with the story of the Bible, you know Peter is such a character. A man who means so well. The first one to speak, the first one to defend. And yet, in the midst of all of that passion... He fumbled the football in a way that almost no one else has. Tells Jesus he'll be with him to the end and then uh, abandons him in his great hour of need. Denies him three times on the night when he needed him most. Surely Peter would have felt dejected. He would have felt lost and hopeless. And God knew that. And that's why the angel said to them, hey, make sure Peter knows that he has come back to life. That's God's way of saying that he's not done with Peter. That's God's way of communicating restorative grace to Peter that is made possible because of the resurrection. And my guess is that we have more in common with, than, with Peter than we would like to let on. Who among us has not abandoned our faith in some small way even this week. We're faced with a decision. We we chose the wrong path. Friends, we need to know that there is restorative grace for us just like there was for Peter. The resurrection makes it possible. Because Jesus is alive, he welcomes back wayward sinners like you and me. Oh, friends, what hope that brings us today. And then on top of that, I love how the Bible keeps it real here at verse 8, doesn't it? (laughs) Instead of saying, and so they went, and they published it widely, and thousands were converted, it tells us what actually happened. It says, they fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment, seized them, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, we know from the rest of the story that eventually they pulled it together, and boy, they did tell everybody. But in this moment, even in the darkness of this moment, God was still at work, and He used these women. He used Peter. He uses people like you and me to, be, uh, to carry treasure in us as jars of clay, as the New Testament talks about, to carry this good news to the ends of the earth. And so my encouragement would be that we would do that, that we would take seriously the call of the gospel to go into all of the world, that we would think strategically about our spheres of influence, those places where we live, where we work, where we play, where we learn, and that we would communicate the good news and the hope that this very real resurrection brings because that same grace that restored Peter that eventually empowered those women it empowers us today and when we think about all of this and we think about the reality of the the difficulty that many of us are living in friends we never need to lose sight of the true hope of the gospel see the resurrection offers hope The resurrection offers hope to the hopeless. It offers hope to the questioning and to the doubter. It offers hope to the fallen and hope for the future. Where do you most need that hope today? Where do you most need the God of the Bible to intervene and remind you of the reality of the resurrection? Do you need Him to save you? Do you need to turn from sin and trust in what Jesus has done that is laid forth in this passage? Oh, friend, if you do, may today be the day of salvation. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus. Commit your life to Him. Reach out to us. Let us know. We want to help you. In addition, if you have made that turn, where do you most need the hope of the gospel today? Where do you most need to celebrate the reality of the resurrection of Jesus? Wherever it is, let's go to the Lord now. And let's ask for what only God can do. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage. We thank you for its truthfulness. We thank you that the tomb is empty and that you're not done with us either. We thank you for the moments that we've had this morning to look over this passage and be changed, and we pray that that would continue throughout the week. Lord, bring hope to any of our hopelessness, and let us see what only you can do. In Jesus' good name, amen.